Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Uh, a, a great and sad day in the Chambers household. We are taking Isaac, our oldest, to college this afternoon. And Jennifer is uh, um, no doubt emotional today, so if she cries, it's not you, everybody. It's not you, I promise. And if you know and love Isaac, make sure you, uh, um, I should say this, to know him is to love him. He's such a, a good boy. Every, every, and by the way, everybody's asking, hey, what, what's he going to do? He's going down to, um, um, you remember Larry Stockstill was here uh, this past October, just a mentor of mine, a, kind of a spiritual father to me. And and uh, he, his church is mega church down in, in uh, Baton Rouge, uh, actually right outside. Well, they have a campus in Baton Rouge and in Baker, uh, which is just north of there. And it's called Bethany. It used to be called Bethany World Prayer Center. Now it's just called Bethany Church. And they started a, um, a college there. Uh, they actually use all the curriculum from Southeast, uh, Southeastern University. And, um, and uh, that's where Isaac is going. So um, tomorrow we have to be in Baton Rouge. We had a 14-hour drive ahead of us today. We're going to try to make it all the way to Memphis. And um, uh, it's just going to be one of those days. So if you know and love Isaac, just be sure to hug him today and say, hey, congratulations, go get him. And uh, he's, he's excited for it, and we're emotional. So um, it's that kind of day. How many have been through that? You, you've taken your, isn't that, isn't that, it's great, isn't it? It's like you wouldn't trade it for nothing. But yet, there's still a lot of tears involved, and we know that life is really never going to be the same for our, our family. Everything is going to change as of today, so we're leaving right after the, the second service and putting some miles behind us. So uh, pray for us that we're taking this little bitty Toyota Matrix down there, and then Jennifer and I are going to fly back, so pray for us, everybody. It's a, it's a little baby car. It's a little funny thing. My dad, when he, my dad used to see me in, in little cars like that, he said, Justin, you wear that really well. Like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, so we are finishing the series today. We'll start a brand new series. Of course, I'll, I'll, I'll be back, you know, on Thursday and, and next uh, Sunday morning. I'll uh, be starting a brand new series. It's, it's about sharing our faith and what to do in this environment, in this world. And, and things have changed. Things are different now. So we're going to address that. And uh, today we're, we're coming to the conclusion of Amasking the Enemy. It's a, it's a series that's been about spiritual warfare, and I, I've been chomping at the bit to teach this to you today. And I'm going to start by asking a, a question, um, it, it, and, and don't raise your hand at this necessarily, but if I were to say, how many of you just love confrontation? Like, you can't, you can't wait to confront somebody. You just got to, I'm going to... You know, most people, the vast majority of people hate confrontation. Did you know that? The vast majority of people, they don't want to go to somebody and say, hey, you're doing wrong. Hey, we got to fix this. I mean, if, if you're an, an employer, you know that you have to do that at times, that there are some times you just got to confront people. But just people in, in general, maybe some family members, maybe some children, maybe some parents, maybe, you know, some, some aunts or uncles, coworkers, whatever, you just... You know, there are times in your life you can't get away from it that you're going to have to confront somebody. And to the vast majority of us, we don't like it. Like, it's just no fun. I hate, absolutely hate confronting people. I don't like that. I, 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 I just, it's just not in me. 
I love people too much. How many are like me? You just don't like confrontation. You're just kind of adverse to it. Okay, the problem with that is if we don't like that in life, um, it's the same thing in the, in, in the spirit world. And, and let me say it like this. It's the same thing when the enemy comes and attacks us. It's the same thing when the devil comes and attacks us. There are a lot of people just know that they're being attacked from the devil. They know that they're in a fight. In fact, I, I heard T.D. Jake say one time, a long, long time ago, he said, you'll, you'll never know how big your faith is until you're in a good fight. Except he said, until you're in a good fight. You know what I'm saying? Like T.D. Jakes can only say that. And, and it's, it's the truth that you will have to confront as a believer. I promise you, you will have to confront the enemy at times in your life. Just like sometimes you have to confront people in life, you will definitely have to confront and will be confronted by the enemy. How many know that to be true? You know that to be true. Okay, so, so we can't be shy of this. We can't be scared of this area. Confrontation is definitely going to happen. And in fact, everybody, I, I want to read something to you out of Psalm um, 18. This is not on the screen. This is just something that God gave me literally just this morning as I was praying about it. He just reminded me of this in Psalm 18, verses 1. It says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And so far, he gets a booming yes from us. Yes, you are, Lord. You are awesome. God, you are so awesome. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I've been saved from my enemies. And we say, yay, I love that part, but we don't like verse 4. Verses 1 through 3 explain that the Lord has been good and he's going to be good. He's been faithful. He's going to be faithful. But verse 4, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Well, we don't like that part, do we? In fact, he goes on verse 5, the cords of the grave coiled around me. Watch this. The snares of death confronted me. The snares of death. This is the NIV version. The snares of death. It's, it's a, a, a very Good translation of that word. The snares of death confronted me. Like I had no, no other reaction. I, there was nothing else I could do except stand my ground and call upon the Lord. Like I was in a confrontation. I was in a battle and it was life and death. And you're in that battle. I told you before, this world is not a playground, it's a battleground. And you will be confronted by the enemy. Make no mistake about it. The enemy will confront you and will challenge you. And you'll know it when it's happening. You'll just know it when it's happening. You'll just know, hey, I'm in a battle. And I'm going to help you with this battle today. Just pay close attention. Take really good notes today. Because this is life-changing stuff. Ephesians 6, chapter 10. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is our verse for this series. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly Realm. So let me tell you some things about spiritual warfare. Three things I want you to know about spiritual 
warfare. And if you don't know that terminology, it's, it just means when you're confronting the schemes and the attacks of the devil in your life or in your family or at your workplace or, or wherever it is, in your finances, in your body, when you're confronting and have been confronted by the enemy and you're in a battle for victory that the Lord Almighty gives. Spiritual warfare, number one, write this down. Spiritual warfare is not horizontal in nature, it's vertical. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So there's a lot of people in this room like, man, I know my enemy. My wife is driving me nuts. Your wife isn't your enemy. I promise you that. Your wife isn't your enemy. In fact, for the person who says that, typically they're their own worst enemy. I'm just telling you, that's just what I've seen. Okay. And, and some, some others were like, well, you, you, don't, you don't know my boss. My boss is just the worst boss and he's just the enemy. No. Your boss is not the enemy. See, spiritual warfare is not about horizontal. It's not about those around us. It's actually vertical. That's why the Bible says that our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. No, it's not, it's not horizontal. It's against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's more vertical than it is horizontal. Everybody get me so far? That you are in a spiritual battle, not a physical one. My, my, my father used to teach this all the time, and he taught this to me. He said, private victories always precede public victories. So when you win things in private by faith, you'll see the victory in public. And that's good. When you have struggles in your life and a confrontation, and you fight that in private, you fight that through prayer and through faith, and you have a private victory or a private battle, it'll show itself when you have that private victory. It'll show itself in public, too. Like, it, things will just work out. It's just the way that it happens. Number two, spiritual warfare is effective, but only when fighting according to God's promises. If you make up a promise, you are wasting your time. Well, God, God promised me he was going to give me a 2020 Ferrari. Really? Did he Really? I mean, come on, I know that's, I know that's dumb. Nobody actually thinks that. But, but there are times and have been many times where somebody has just, they, they just made up a promise. In fact, one time I was uh, counseling with this uh, lady who went to church. This is years and years ago now. She's since moved away. Um, she was uh, in counseling. Her husband was not a Christian and he was being faithful. He just wasn't a Christian. He wasn't, he wasn't cheating on her. He wasn't abusing her. He wasn't whatever. And she came into my office one day. And she said, well, God just made me a promise that, that he's going to supply the right husband. And I looked at her. I said, you just made that up. That ain't from God. Okay, can I tell you something, everybody? That's actually taking the name of the Lord in vain. When you put God's name on something that he, how many know that the best person you could ever be married to is the one you're already married to? That he just wants to heal the marriage. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? And I, and I had to confront her and I tell her, no, no, no. No, no, the, the best person you're ever going to, in fact, the only person you should ever be married to is your husband. And if he's content to live with you, and he is, the Bible says you got to stay. Well, she didn't like that. And it took her about two months to come back to church. How many know that some people just make up promises that they, that they say are from God? They just make things up. Well, don't do that. Don't do that. Listen, listen, spiritual warfare is effective when you fight according to God's promises, not according to your own ideas, not according to the things that you make up or the things that you want most. 
You have to fight according to God's promises. And if you don't know the promises of God, you need to. Because what do you lay claim to? What do you, what do you proclaim? What do you hold on to? If you don't know the promises of God, how do you know how to pray? If you don't know what God has told you you can have or you already have in Christ, how do you know what to pray? You have got to know the promises of God. So when I read the Bible, I just say, oh, there's a promise. Oh, there's a promise. Oh, there's a promise. And they just jump out to me because I look for the promises of God because they help me in life. They, they just help me in life. Number three, spiritual warfare also requires faith not only to believe for God's promises, but to possess God's promise, promises. And I'm going to say that again. Spiritual warfare requires faith not only to believe for God's promises, but to possess God's promises. That's why Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You're not only believing for them, you are possessing them. You are in possession. And I'm going to prove this to you in a second. That, that means, let me say it like this. That means provision is already mine because that's a promise in the book. Provision is not something I'm just asking for, and I'm, I'm not just believing for it, but I have already taken possession of it because it belongs to me in Christ Jesus. Deliverance is mine. I possess it. Healing is mine. I possess it. Protection is mine. I possess, I possess it. Uh, restoration is mine. I possess that. Meaning, meaning I'm not just believing for the miracles of God. I'm taking hold of them and saying, no, that miracle is already mine because I'm a child of God and his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. They're mine. They're, they, you should have given a lot more amens than you just did. Let, let, let me prove this to you. Can I prove it? Because I know some people struggle with this. But here it is in the same chapter, this faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. Watch this, starting in verse 32. It says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. What's this, verse 33? Who through, what's that word? Faith, not through strength, not, not through income, not, not through wealth, not through, not through the, the, the power of warriors, endless warriors, no, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was, what? Promised. The, the, word, in, the, the word gained in the Greek means to obtain or possess. To obtain or possess. Who through faith possessed the promise. What promise? God's promises. Who through faith possessed the promises. Had they seen it yet? No. But they were already in possession of it. And then he goes on, on to verse 34. Let's read verse 33 again and then go to 34. Verse 33 says, Who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained or possessed what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the, the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. They, through faith, possessed what was promised. So, so when Daniel is going into the lion's den, he already possessed protection. 
He just didn't experience it until he was in there. It was already his. I'm going to wait for you, okay, everybody? I'm just, because you're worth waiting for today. He already possessed it. It was already his. When David went out to the battlefield to face Goliath, he already possessed the victory. He just had to go confront the enemy. The victory was already his. He already possessed it. He are and is proven by his faith. Like, hey, I don't need this armor. Just give me a sling. Give me some stones. I'm going to go take this guy because he's putting down the, the God of Israel. He already possessed victory, but he still had to go confront the enemy. And I'm telling you, everybody, you already possess victory in Christ Jesus. The Bible says Jesus leads us in a triumphal procession. We already possess victory, but it doesn't mean that we don't have to confront. Of course we have to confront. We're in a battle. It's called spiritual warfare. Everybody get this? Oh, okay, watch this then. So, so if this is true, that, and, it, and it is, that through faith we possess the promises of God, Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We possess the promises of God. Then God's promises obviously require faith. Let, let me say it a different way. Number four, write this down. That faith connects us to God's promises. Let, let me say it a different way. Faith is the conduit. Faith is the conduit. That connects us to the promises of God. And, and the problem is we've all been giving a, given a measure of faith, but sometimes things, things come in and disconnect our faith. So faith connects us to the promises of God, but we are disconnected. Number five, we're disconnected through doubt, disobedience, and disregard. So, so, so you, how many of you have been given a measure of faith? Okay, everybody in the room has because the Bible says you have, okay? That's a promise. Everybody's been given a measure of faith. And faith is the conduit between us and the promises of God. Faith connects us to the promises of God. But sometimes things come in and they break our faith and they are typically doubt disobedience, and disregard. See, I've already, I've already told you this concerning disobedience. It's hard to have faith in God when you're consistently disobeying him. Because then you're saying, well, why would he answer me? I'm, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I sin so much, I don't even know if I'm... Listen, if you've got one, one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, I tell you, it's hard to believe in God. And you need to get out of the world and go all in. You need to truly repent and just go all in. But then there's doubt involved, but we know this, the Bible never has called us to doubt, always calls us to believe. I told you last week that we are believers who should believe. But the problem with the church is there's a lot of believers who aren't believing. They're just filled with, they're just filled with doubt. They're filled with doubt. Well, God did that in the Bible, but he's not gonna do that now. Well, where do they get that from? I don't know about you, but I've seen the miraculous over and over and over and over and over again. I, I, some of you have experienced, in fact, many of you in this room have experienced the miraculous. And, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was God at work in your life. 
I mean, I, I'm just looking across the room. I could start naming people right now that I see right now. You've experienced, how many of you have experienced the miraculous? Just, isn't that amazing? But, but yet, but yet, well, is God going to do it again? Well, sure he is. He's faithful. He, he never changes. If, if he's been working in your, in your life since the beginning, why is he going to stop now? He's not going to do that. He loves you. He's a good Father, and I'm going to prove that to you in just a second. And then the, the last one is, is disregard. So, so disobedience and doubt, they're, they're the easy ones to call out. But sometimes we miss this one called disregard. I want to show you the book of Joshua, chapter 18. And starting in verses 1 through 3, I love this. It says, the whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control. But there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So, so let's stop right here. Let's, let's see what happened. Let's see what's happened. So, so you know the story of the Israelites. They're in Egyptian captivity. They come out. They wander the desert for 40 years. And finally, um, all of that generation, they pass away. Moses ends up dying. And then Joshua comes and takes over, and he takes them over into the promised land, the land that God promised the Israelites they were going to not, not just enjoy, but to possess. And they have started taking possession of this land. In fact, at this point, five tribes have already taken possession of the land that they were given by God. But Joshua has this group of people. He says, he says but there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait? How long will you wait before you take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors has, past tense, has already given you? You already have it. It's already yours, but you're just standing around. You're not going to take the possession of it, but why not? God's given it to you. It's right there. And then Joshua ends up taking control. Okay, well, you guys are going to go scout out the land because I'm, I'm sick of hosting you guys. You need to go possess the land that God has given you. What, what, were, what, were, they, what were they waiting on? They, they, were not, they were not necessarily disobedient. It wasn't that they were filled with doubt. They just had disregard in the moment. Like, let me say it this way. I'm just kind of content to be right here. I think I'm doing good. And if I go possess that land, well, that's going to be a lot of work. And I'm going to have to travel for that. And I'm going to have to pack, and then I'm going to have to unpack, and then I'm going to have to plant some fields. And, boy, I'd just kind of like to stay, stay here if it's all right with Joshua. Well, Joshua was not all right with that. He's like, no, 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 God gave this to you. It was his promise, and he gave it to you, and he's done what he said he would do. Now, why are you standing around here? Go possess the land. But they just showed disregard. They I'm too comfortable. Can I tell you, there's so many people in the Christian church around the world that have a disregard for the promises of God. They're just so comfortable. And God has promised them things. And God has said, I'll go before you and I'll give you victory and I'll provide for you and I'll protect you. You just got to go possess what I've already given you. Well, 
Mm, disregard. I see this a lot when people are called into the ministry and they know they're called. They even come up and say, Pastor, I think I'm called. Hey, let me help you. And then five years later, they're still doing the same thing they've always done because there's just a disregard. It's, ah, I'm just too comfortable. Can I tell you something? We got to break that mentality in, in the church today. There are some things, let me say it this way. There are some things that God wants us to take. There is some land, some territory that God wants us to take, but we will not take it if we're lukewarm, mediocre believers. I'm just telling you. There is some territory in this town that we are meant to take. And I'm not talking about physical land. I'm talking about the lost. I'm talking about souls for the kingdom of God. And they, they are depending on us to share the gospel of grace. And they don't even know they're depending on us. But they are. And we have to be aggressive about that. That's why you need to be here next Sunday morning as we teach you how to do that in this world that we're living in right now. So, how do we do it? How do we do it? How, how do we win in spiritual warfare? How do we take the territory that God wants to give us? How do we, how, how, how do we receive the miracles that God wants to, to give us? How do we experience victory in Christ Jesus? I'm going to teach you four things very quickly this morning that's going to help you experience victory in your life. Are you ready for it? How many know that we need to experience victory? that we're meant to experience victory. We're not meant to, this is not very pastoral, but I'm gonna say it anyway. We're not meant to sit on our duff in church. Is that, is that okay to say? Well, I said it anyway. You know what I'm saying? You don't scare me. Come on, how many know, how many know we're not meant to sit on our duff? We're, we're not meant to sit back in the church and, and just take what the devil gives us. No, we are, we, are, we are designed as warriors. That's why the Bible says we put on the full armor of God. We put it on. Like we walk out, we walk out of this place with authority, ready to take ground for the glory and the kingdom of our God. Amen? That's how we're meant to walk. And I'm going to teach you how to walk in that right now. Four different ways, four different ways. And these are so simple. And you're like, wow, that's so easy. Yeah. Aren't you glad that God didn't make it difficult? Aren't you glad that he didn't make you go into the wilderness for an entire year and eat, and, 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 and eat weird foods and eat slugs and bugs and drink, you know, and just, you know, wear nothing but a loincloth so you can get close to God. And that, aren't you glad he didn't call you to that? Come on, everybody. He didn't make it difficult. He made it easy for us. We don't have to go around in robes and chanting things for five years before God hears us. No, he just made it easy for us. And I'm going to tell you, this is so simple, but so powerful. And the first one is you've got to be persistent. You got to be persistent. Persistence. But I'm going to tell you something here. And we see that all through scripture, right? The, the woman that goes to the judge, she just keeps going and going and going until finally the judge says, okay. And God's teaching us a story. You just got to be consistent. When it says ask and seek and knock, it, it's really saying ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking. It, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like the door will be open to you, but you got to be persistent. You, gotta, you just got to keep hammering, everybody. You just got to keep going forward. I, I was thinking about this 
um, concerning New Song Church, uh, many years ago, probably 10 or 12 years ago, I read this book uh, called Up the Middle Church. And it was a football analogy, and he's like, hey, some churches go out there, church planters go out there, they start a church, and the first play, it's a Hail Mary, and they score a touchdown, and that means a thousand people show up on their first Sunday, and they're, you know, by week number two, they're a mega church. Like, they have 2,000 or more people by week number two. He said, that's not our story. We're an up-the-middle church. We didn't do the Hail Mary. We didn't do the long plat. No, we just handed it off, and we went right up the middle. And how many know that sometimes when you go up right in the middle, you only gain a couple of yards? It's two yards, and then it's one yard, and then it's four yards, and you're just, going, you're just fighting for every single inch. And, and as I read that, I shared that with my staff way back when, and I said, guys, this is who we are. We are an up-the-middle church. Now, I don't know that we're always going to be that, but right now we're fighting for every inch. When we opened New Song, we had 11 adults, not 1,000. We had 11, everybody. That's an up-the-middle church. Like every inch that we take in, in this community, every, every bit of territory that we take, we take because we are consistent. We just keep hammering it out. We, we, are, we are persistent in, in pursuing lost people, sharing the gospel of grace, and we're not going to stop, everybody. If that's what God has called us to, it's just what he's called us to. And along the way, we see victory after victory after victory after victory, and it's been an amazing journey, and I wouldn't trade it for nothing, everybody. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for a thing. But you got to be persistent. you got to just keep hammering it out. Keep going to the fundamentals. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? And that's what I'm talking to you this morning about. Now, however, however, persistence, persistence is not begging. That's not persistence. Being, being a persistent Christian is, is not begging. We're, we're, let me say it this way. We are called to be believers, not beggars. We're called to be believers, not beggars. So I don't, have to, I don't have to go to God and say, oh, God, please, God, oh, please. Now, is there anything wrong with crying out to God? No, there's nothing wrong with it. But when you cry out to God, you don't have to beg him for his attention. You already have it. He, he, he ha Let me say this. You have his attention 24-7. His eyes are always on you. You don't have to beg for his attention. He's already given it to you. And you don't have to beg him for the answers. You already possess them by faith. But you ask. You keep asking. You knock and keep knocking. You seek and keep seeking. You are persistent. You are persistent. See, see begging, let, let, me, let me say it a different way. Begging implies that God is not willing to answer you. That's what begging implies. Do you see the difference? See, wasn't it, wasn't it in Matthew, wasn't it in Matthew chapter 7? If, in fact, let's just read this. You guys don't mind if I use my iPhone real quick, do you? Matthew chapter 7. Let me find it. Okay, verse 7 and 8 is the ask, and it will be given to you, seeking you will find it. But go to verse 9. Verse 9, Matthew 7, 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, this is, by the way, Jesus speaking. Which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? Like, who, which one of you would do that? Well, nobody would do that. I'm not going to give my, 
my, my son a stone if he's hungry. I'm not going to throw him a stone and say, hey, eat that. Like, what kind of dad would I be, right? Like, that would be terrible. And he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who just ask him? Just, just ask him. So, so we go to him, and, and we don't beg. Begging implies he's not willing. Of course he's willing. He's your father. He knows what's good for you. So go and ask. And keep asking. Lord, I've been asking for this. I'm, my, my, my dad did a study one time of making inquiries of the Lord, inquiring of the Lord. Oh, it's a wonderful study. You, you should do it. Nothing wrong with asking. The Bible says we, we have not because we ask not, right? So it's okay. In fact, number two, write this down right now. The, the first one is persistence. The second one is, is, is really twofold, prayers and petitions. Prayers and petitions. It, it means it's okay to ask. It's okay to, to say, God, I, I'd really, I really need this answer. I really need this miracle. I really need this provision. I really need this, this healing, Father. And once again, I'm just asking for that. I'm, I'm, I'm submitting this request to you. I'm casting this on you, knowing that you care for me. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Present your request to God. So sure, go to him. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. But you don't have to beg. You just ask. And then you trust. God, I'm just going to leave that with you. There are times where, <laughs> this is, again, a teaching for another day, but there are times where I go to God, and I know I, can only, I, I only need to make that request once because I just have the faith in that moment Lord, I need that. To, I just declare that that's going to be done in Jesus' name, amen. I don't have to ask again because I just have the faith. Oh, God's got that. God's got that. But sometimes, and I don't know, I don't know why it's like this, but the, the Bible says that, that there should be persistence in our life. And he's probably refining us and making us more like Christ and sharpening us. He's probably wanting to change some things in us before he gives us what we're asking for. Just my thoughts. So we're persistent. We pray. We make petitions to the Lord. And then, everybody, this is where it gets fun. So, so you've decided in your heart, I'm just going to keep going after God. I'm going to present this to God. I'm going to make this request to God. I'm going to ask him of this. And then there's two things that need to happen. This, the, the next one is, this is number three, you've got to make some proclamations. There needs to be some proclamations. And fourth of all, there needs to be some praise. And these two things go hand in hand. Philippians 4, 6 says, We're not anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present our request to God. With thanksgiving, we present our request to God. So we make some proclamations. We, we pray, we persist, and we start proclaiming the things of God. Father, I thank you that your word says that deliverance is mine. And then quote some scriptures. Quote some of the promises. Father, I thank you that provision is mine. And I see that right here in, and then quote that scripture. I just say, Father, I thank you that your word is true, that it's impossible for you to lie. And I just proclaim that that promise applies to me because I am a child of the Most High God. Do you see what I'm talking about, everybody? You just make some proclamations. And in the middle of that proclamation should also be some thanksgiving. It should also be some praise. 
Father, I thank you. I thank you that this verse in scripture applies to me. It applies to my family. It applies to my coworker. It applies to my mom. It applies to my dad. It applies to my finances. It applies to my body. It applies to whatever you're asking for. That, that we, we are persistent, we pray, we proclaim, and we praise. We're persistent, we pray, we proclaim, and we praise. And they all just go hand in hand. And everybody, if you want to be victorious in spiritual warfare, it is a simple solution. It's nothing extravagant. God didn't make it difficult for you to win the battle that you're in. He said, I just want some simple things from you. First, you, you got to tell me what you need. And you know what you're doing? You're inviting God. And just, you remember how I told you that when, when, when Adam and Eve fell into sin and they handed the keys of this world over to the devil, and, and the devil now has the lease on this world, when you, when you say, God, I'm asking that you come in, you're inviting, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question of legality, that you're, in, you're legally inviting God in to this situation that you're in, to say, God, I'm asking you to help. I'm asking you to come in. And then God says, okay, I just needed the invitation. I just needed the invitation. So we ask, we're persistent, and we start proclaiming the goodness of God with the praises of him in our mouths upon our lips. Everybody got it? That's how it works. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. So, so this morning, we're, we're just going to ask the Lord for something. We're going to just make some requests, and I'm going to lead you in this just for the next couple of moments. we still got plenty of time. Just for the next couple of moments, I'm going to lead you in this, and I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have something that you're praying about? And, and I don't mean like, I don't mean like, I mean like really praying about. Like, I mean, it's heavy on your heart. You're, it's a weight on your shoulders that you're asking God for the miraculous. You're asking God for, for something that you can't do on your own. You, you know what I'm saying? Now, who in, in this room is asking for something of that level? Okay, now I want you just to think of what that thing is, whatever that thing is, and just hold up your hands. We're going to praise God in the middle of it. And I'm going to teach you how to do this. Now, what we can't do right now, the persistence is going to have to keep coming, right? This is what, now what I'm about to teach you, this is going to keep happening in your life for the next days, weeks, months, years, whatever it takes. You're just going to be persistent in this, and this is how it goes. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I have a need today. Now, new song, go ahead and tell them that need. Tell them what it is. Just You don't have to say it out loud. I got a need today, Father. And I'm asking you to step in. I'm inviting you into this situation. Father, I am asking for help. I'm asking for deliverance. I'm asking uh, uh, for restoration. I'm asking for provision. I'm asking for healing. I'm asking for the miraculous. God, I'm asking you for it right now. And I am inviting you in. I am inquiring of you, Father. Please come and help. Please come and restore. Please come and heal. Please come and do the miraculous in my life, in this situation, in my family, whatever it is, go ahead and just make those requests to God. Father, we make these requests. We cast our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. Okay, new song, now that we've made the request, now we're going to start making some proclamations and we're going to start praising the Lord. Are you ready? Heavenly Father, we make some proclamations this morning. We make some 
declarations this morning that you are good, that you are faithful, that that when your children ask for something, you don't give them something that's mean-spirited. In fact, Father, you give them something beautiful. You give them something miraculous. You do the miraculous in their life. Lord, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? We make the declaration this morning that you are good, that you are the giver of good things, that all of your promises apply to us because we are your children. Father, we proclaim your faithfulness. We proclaim that you have a watchful eye. We proclaim that you have nothing but good things in store for us. We proclaim the fact that when you began a good work in us, that you were going to be faithful to complete it. Father, we proclaim the fact that you delivered Israel and you delivered believers throughout your word over and over and over again. And we are believers. We are your children. And we know, Lord, that the miraculous things that you've done in our lives in the past does not stop you from doing the miraculous now and doing the miraculous in the future. We know, Father, we declare that you have been good, you are good, and you will be good, that you've been faithful, you are faithful, you will be faithful. We proclaim your goodness and we give you all of the praise and all of the glory. We lift up the name of Jesus. We lift up our Heavenly Father. We exalt you above all things, above all else. We magnify you and we honor you and we bless you and we thank you that all of the things that you have for us are are ours in Christ Jesus that we don't have to fret we don't have to be fearful we don't have to live in fear and in doubt but Lord we understand we know that those things belong to us in Jesus Christ we know that you are good we know that you're faithful we know that you're merciful we know that you're loving we know that you see all things and know all things and you have our best future in mind and we bless you and we exalt you and we magnify you above all things at all times and we declare it in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus Christ come on new song give the Lord praise this morning we bless you Lord we bless you Lord we bless you Lord as a church it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life and we would love to continue on that journey To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org slash connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.